best news ever. You know that's right. Uh, Corey Ten Boom, uh, child of God, survivor of the Holocaust. Her story is told in the book The Hiding Place. Uh, I would highly encourage you to read Christian biographies. I think it can be very helpful in your spiritual growth and your walk with Christ. And uh, specifically, I would say uh, to you students, uh, you uh, young adults, you know, 20-somethings, uh, check out The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom and uh, see if that doesn't uh, encourage you and inspire you as you continue to follow Jesus. Uh, she saw and experienced the worst of humanity in her lifetime, uh, yet listen to her words here. I have experienced his presence in the deepest hell that man can create. I have experienced his presence in the deepest hell that man can create. I have really, I have really tested the promises of the Bible, and believe me, you can count on them. We are believing the promises of the Bible. We are counting on them. And as we get into the Word of God, let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for your Word. We believe that it is true. We believe that it is useful for helping us follow the Son, your Son, Jesus Christ. As we look in your word this morning, please open our eyes to see the wonderful, the beautiful things in it. In the name of Jesus, your Son and our Savior, amen. So we're going to be in John chapter 11 today, and this is going to be our last sermon through the first half of the book of John. Everything's been building to what we're going to be reading about today. Everything's been leading up to this point, and this is the turning point in the whole gospel. So uh, up until this point, we've looked at a period of about three years of Jesus' public ministry, and there have been miracles, and there has been a lot of controversy around Jesus, uh, and, and these miracles and the things, the truths that he is explaining. There's been a lot of controversy, and it all leads to this, and and what we read here is, well, it's, it's, it's the turning point. It's the final straw. And, and what he, Jesus does here takes the Jewish leaders to the point of no return in plotting his death. And then in the second half of the book, we're just reading about the final days of Jesus leading up to the cross. So today we're going to look at this chapter, the turning point in the gospel, and we'll pick up in the second half in the new year. Next Sunday is the uh, Sunday before Thanksgiving, and our focus is going to be on, on how the child of God has reason to be thankful no matter what's going on around us. And we're going to get to hear some stories of gratitude. And then on November 29th, we'll begin a four-week Advent Christmas series that will conclude with our candlelight services. And then we'll get back into the second half of the Gospel of John in the new year. We're going to look at this story, and it really breaks down into three parts. And I believe as we move along, we're going to see how this easily connects to our experiences and to what's going on in our lives and our world as well as we, as we read this episode in chapter 11. The first part of the story, uh, we, could just, we could just say 
our plans don't always work out. And that's what we're going to read about, but it's something that we can also say, yeah, true that. Our plans don't always work out. Maybe there's a problem, and we put together a plan to try and fix that problem. Or maybe there's somewhere we want to be, something we want to achieve, and so we put together a plan to help us get there. Uh, They hopefully are well-thought-out plans. Uh, They're probably logical. They make sense in, in, in our minds. But then some unforeseen circumstances happen. Uh, Then someone does something that we never saw coming, and we find ourselves saying, wow, that didn't really work out how I thought it would. John chapter 11, verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were siblings who lived in the town Bethany. Bethany was just outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the capital. Jerusalem is where the temple was. Jerusalem is where uh, Israelites from all over would travel in droves for religious and national holidays. And, and, and this was Passover time, so there were a lot of folks in Jerusalem for that religious, for that national holiday. So Lazarus, Mary, Martha, siblings, lived just outside of Jerusalem. Uh, They were friends with Jesus. Uh, They knew him. They had spent time with him. They had interacted with him. Uh, If they send a message to him, he's going to know who it is uh, because of their relationship with one another. Lazarus, the brother, had gotten sick. The sisters had been caring for them, for him, and their plan to fix the problem, their plan to make their brother better, their, their plan to not lose their brother, their health care you know, plan that they had put together was, well, Jesus heals people. That's what he's been doing everywhere he goes. He makes sick people well. Uh, uh, Jesus knows us. We're not just another person, but, but, but he knows our names. Uh, we're friends of his, and so we'll send a message to him. He'll get it. We'll send a message to him. Jesus will come, and our brother will be better. That was the plan, but it didn't work out, just like a lot of our plans sometimes don't work out. Even though they seem to make sense, they seem logical, that was the plan. It didn't work out. Jesus received the message. He did. It, it got to him. But then we read, Jesus decided to stay put for a couple of more days. He didn't rush to go see Lazarus. He didn't rush to Bethany. And Lazarus, in that time uh, where Jesus didn't get there in a hurry, in that time period, Lazarus actually died. He didn't get better. He died. So the plan, it was all busted up. We've seen things go south in our lives as well. Uh, uh, We're thinking about health. We say, okay, we're going to eat healthy, we're going to exercise, we're going to follow all of the doctor's advice, uh, but then the sickness grows and becomes worse. Uh, 
we, we, we're, we're going to study. We're going to put together a plan to get us somewhere where we want to be. So we're going to study hard. Uh, we're going to work at it. We're going to get good references to send in with our application. But then we still don't get accepted into the program. Uh, we've got a passion for this new endeavor, and so we work on a business strategy. We have quality partners. We market well, but the business, it still fails, and so on and so on. We've seen how things don't always work out how we think they should. We've seen things happen, and, and we're just like, wow, life doesn't make sense. Well, life didn't make sense here. Uh, if Jesus really cared... Uh, why would he not rush to help his friend Lazarus? Instead, he, he stayed there. He waited. And a couple of days later, I'm going to steal a line from John Wayne. A couple of days later, he said, all right, guys, let's slap some bacon on a biscuit and, and get on. Uh, we're burning daylight. And, 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 and he says, all right, it's time to go now. And the disciples then, that didn't make sense to them. Because for Jesus to go to Bethany... For Jesus to go towards Jerusalem would, would be very dangerous for him. It would be entering the danger zone. And so they say to Jesus, they say, you're sure we want to go there? They were just trying to stone you. They're, they're going to be trying to kill you there. So Jesus was going where they wanted him dead, and that didn't make sense to the disciples. In fact, in verse 16, Thomas, one of his friends, one of his followers, says, all right, guys, let's saddle up. Let's go die with Jesus. Our plans don't always work out. Life doesn't always make sense. In the second part of the story, we're going to see that our pains are for real. Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother, was, was dead. And they were hurting. They were grieving. They were mourning. Uh, people from Jerusalem had come there, had gathered with them. We know what that's like, too, to be hurting, to be grieving. Because our pains, they're for real. Uh, we're not machines. We're not unfazed by, by what happens around us, by what happens to us. Life affects us. We feel things. Maybe you say, I feel things deeply. Losses hurt when things go south. Pains are for real. That's where they're at. That's something that we can all relate to. Jesus, he comes. By the time he, he, he arrives, Lazarus has not only died, but he's been in the grave for four days. It's, it's, it's a done deal, and they are in the middle of this mourning process. People had come in from Jerusalem, and they, they were there with the family. And so what Jesus is about to do, what's about to take place, wasn't going to be hidden. It wasn't going to be done in secret. There were a lot of eyes who were going to be watching, who were going to be seeing what was happening here. Martha hears that Jesus, their rabbi, their teacher, had come. And so she leaves the house and she goes to, to greet him. And she says, Lord, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. He would be better now. And Jesus says he will, he'll rise again. And, and Martha's like, yeah, 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 yeah. She was thinking about future resurrection. Uh, she didn't realize what Jesus was about to do and what Jesus had in mind in, in the present situation. 
And let's, let's read part of their dialogue, part of their interaction. Pick up in verse 25. Jesus told her, Martha, as they continue the conversation, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Verse 27. Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. He said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Do you really, do you really believe this, Martha? We could ask ourselves that sometimes when we're, when we're hurting, when things haven't worked out how we, how we thought they would. Jesus might ask, do you, do you really believe me? Well, she says yes, and what we, we get there in her answer, that's the purpose of this book. That's why the Gospel of John was written. We look at the end of the book in chapter 20, verse 31, and, and John writes, he says, this is my purpose in writing to you. This is why I recorded all of this, was so that you would believe that Jesus is the rescuer, and in believing in him, you would have life now and forever. Well, that's, that's what Martha says. I've always believed that you're the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world from God. That's why this book was written. That's why people uh, have read it over the, over the centuries so that they might believe that Jesus is the one sent from God and have life in his name. That's why we're reading it and hearing it now so that we might believe that Jesus is the rescuer and, and in him we might have life now and forever. Well, Martha goes back to the house and she gets her sister Mary and she says, Mary, Jesus is here. Mary gets up. She rushes out to go and see Jesus. And let's read about that interaction. In verse 32, we pick up. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's the same thing Martha had said. They responded the same way. If only you had been here, my brother would not have died. If only you had been here like we planned on you being here, my brother would not have died and we would not be experiencing this pain, this hurt, this loss. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And they were going to go to the tomb site. In verse 35, then Jesus wept. In his interaction with Martha, the other sister, we see his divinity. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. We see his divinity, that he is God. And now in his interaction with Mary, we see his humanity. As he is troubled in his spirit, he is he's full of emotion, he weeps, we see his humanity. Jesus, fully God, fully man, therefore able to reconcile us to God, therefore able to forgive us our sins, therefore being fully God and fully man, being able to be the bridge between heaven and earth. We see his divinity, we see his humanity, the pain they were experiencing, the pain that he was experiencing here was real. 
We've been there. We've hurt like they were hurting. We've grieved like they were grieving. And maybe, like me, you've been there dealing with death, and you've been angry, and you've even told God that you're angry, and you've just wept. You've been there with friends and family in those situations just like we're reading about here. And you've said, God, this is awful. God, this is not okay. God, this is not right. And you were full of emotion and tears were flowing. The pain is for real. Verse 35, it's known for being the shortest verse in the Bible. And so if you're wanting to get started with the spiritual discipline of Scripture memory, here you go. This is your verse right here. Uh, you can start today. Not only can you start today, you can start right now. And so let's do this. We're all going to, uh, to memorize Scripture today. So I'm going to say John 11:35, and then I'm going to say Jesus wept. All right? It's that simple. John 11:35, Jesus wept. On the count of two, I want you to say that with me. On the count of two, we're all going to say, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Okay, scripture memory, here we come. We're going to be hiding God's word in our heart. One, two, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. And I said Jesus wept. I know NLT, then Jesus wept. We've got different translations, okay? Don't, don't, don't trip up on that. John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. It's known for being the shortest verse in the Bible, but what's really impactful here, if we just sit, sit with it for a little bit, what's really impactful here is that it validates our pain because our pain is for real. This validates our pains. This validates our hurts. This validates our losses. Death is awful. We live in a broken world, and there are going to be times when we are beaten down and we are down in the dumps and we feel awful, we feel terrible because of what's going on around us, uh, because of what's going on in us, and we weep. And Jesus, like he joined in their pain, will join in our pain as well. What he shows here is empathy. He hurt with them. He wept with them. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 instructs the, the follower of Jesus to be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. This is empathy. We have an opportunity, like Jesus joined in on the pain and the hurt, and he felt what they were experiencing. We have the opportunity with one another. It's a beautiful thing about, about a, a, a Christian community, about a church family. We have the opportunity to have empathy with one another, to join in and celebrate when there's something to celebrate and to be happy with one another. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a special thing about the relationships we can have with one another as we follow Jesus together in this time and place. So we can celebrate and be happy with one another when there's stuff to celebrate. We can also hurt and weep with one another when there's something, some hurt, some pain, some loss. We're invited to join in on that and can be a beautiful expression of, of Christian community. Our plans don't always work out. Our pains are for real. And that brings us to the third part of the story, but Jesus. So our plans don't work out. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. But Jesus, our pains are for real, 
those hurts, they sting, those losses burn. But Jesus, they're at the tomb, and what happens next? What happens next is going to blow their minds. What's about to happen is going to stun the family. It's going to stun those who have gathered with them to weep with those who were weeping. It's going to be better than any plan they could have devised. It's going to overcome all of the pain that they were feeling. Verse 40. They're at the tomb. They're like, you sure you want us to roll this stone away? He's been in there for four days. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. That's why this book was written. These miracles point to the truth that Jesus is the rescuer, and in him we can have life. He says, I, 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 I'm talking to you out loud, Father, for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And then in verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. I can imagine Lazarus telling the story later saying, he called my name and I came out of that grave. I'm going to repeat verse 43. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. I'm going to repeat again. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. There was death. There was pain. But Jesus showed up and there was life. Back at the beginning of the story, the disciples knew that Jesus going here to Bethany would likely cost him his life. They said, for real, you want to go back there? We think it best to avoid that place. They want you dead there. Jesus knew that it would cost him his life. Jesus knew that what was going to happen here at Bethany with Lazarus, he knew that it would start spiraling. It would be the turning point that would lead him to the cross. And he went Anyways, so essentially Jesus was going to Bethany to lay down his life for his friend Lazarus. The rest of the book after this details those last few days before Jesus went to the cross and literally laid down his life, not just for Lazarus, but for you and for me and for all the world. So how is Lazarus similar to us? He was dead in the tomb, grave clothes about him, and Jesus gave him, gave him life. I'm going to say this. His story is our story. You are Lazarus, and I am Lazarus. 
Check out Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 4 and 5. The Word of God says this. Once, and this is written to believers, to followers of Jesus like we are today. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. It doesn't say once you were misguided. It doesn't say once you were down on your luck. It doesn't say once things weren't working out really well. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. We were in the tomb. Sins and brokenness about us like grave clothes. We were in Lazarus's position, but Jesus, when we believe in him as our rescuer, we receive life now and forever. That's how we're like Lazarus. Death, physical and spiritual. That's the greatest problem. And we see here how Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so he can take care of that greatest problem. He can give us hope in, 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 in the most hopeless situation, death. So what about our other struggles when our plans don't work out, when we're experiencing pain and hurt and loss? What about our other struggles? Can, can Jesus breathe hope into those situations as well? Absolutely he can. If he can breathe hope and life, into death, then he can bring hope and life into our other situations, into our plans, into our pains. A relationship that seems hopeless, a life that, that lacks direction, a world in chaos, future in doubt. In those times, remember but Jesus. A question we might ask when we're, dealing, when we're dealing with that, when we're there, when we're going through that life that doesn't make sense, that problem we can't figure out how to fix, that hurt that we can't just get over, a question we might ask when we're there, when we're going through that, is how might God receive glory? You see, at the beginning of this, episode. In verse 4, Jesus told his followers, when they got message that Lazarus was sick, Jesus told his followers, his disciples, he said, this isn't going to, to end in death. This is happening so that the son might receive glory. He says, what's, about, what's, what's going on here is so that I might receive glory, so that I might be shown great and magnificent and wonderful. In verse 40, when he's at the tomb, he says, this, this, didn't I tell you that this was going to happen so that the Son might receive glory, so that I might be shown great, magnificent, wonderful, amazing. 
So when we're going through those situations, a question we might ask is, how might God receive glory? First off, if you find yourselves, if you're, if you're here in person or if you're, you're worshiping with us online and, and you find yourself and you say, I've never really trusted in Jesus. <laughs> I'm like Lazarus right now. And I've never turned my life over to Jesus and received the forgiveness of sins and received the, the joy and the peace and the purpose and the eternal life that he can give. Well, if that's you, whether you're 15 years old or 45 years old, whether you've been in church your whole life or this is your, 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 one of your first few worship gatherings, if that's you, how might God receive glory? By you simply saying, I believe that Jesus is the rescuer. And I want to receive life now and forever through him. God will receive glory in that. What about the child of God? Maybe he's going to use your hurt to help others. Maybe he's going to use this situation you're going through to grow you in some way that you didn't even realize you needed growth. Maybe, maybe when your, your future is in doubt and you're wondering how things are going to work out, maybe he's going to provide in ways that leave you thanking uh, him and realizing your utter dependence upon him. There's a lot of different ways that God might receive glory in a lot of different situations, in a lot of different plans that don't work out, in a lot of different pains that we are experiencing that are for real. But a question you might ask is, how might God receive glory? And I would encourage you, uh, when you find yourselves in that situation, to do that, to pray that, to spend time with God on that. Ways to respond. So when we have these worship gatherings, we want to give you a, a, a way to respond, an opportunity to respond to God. If, if he's moving you uh, to, to, to pray, if he's moving you to make a spiritual decision, if he's moving you to, to put your trust in Jesus, we want to make it simple for you. And so these three ways to respond that you see on the screen, that's just our invitation to you to respond to Jesus today. And how you can do that is when we exit here in, in just a few minutes, uh, you can stop by the Connect Corner. And we've got uh, some friends there who would love to pray with you, who, who would love to, 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 to maybe answer any, any question, spiritual questions that you have, any decisions you're needing to make and help you sort through that. If, if you're trusting in Jesus, please go and tell, tell them so that they can celebrate with you. Uh, another way is uh, through the Connect cards that are in the seat backs or that you can access online by texting Connect HC to 94000. Mark any spiritual decisions, mark any prayer requests you have. Uh, take care of that there. And then the third way is to take action. And the way I would tell you to take action right now is by asking that question, how might God receive glory? Where I'm at right now in this time and place, how might God receive glory? Ask him that question and, 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 and spend time with him on that. If you would stand with me now, we're going to sing uh, uh, another song. And during this time, reflect on that. How can I respond to God today. Let's pray. Father,
in heaven. Thank you for this true story of hope. When things didn't work out, when the pains were for real, you brought hope to that hopeless situation. Thank you. And we believe that you can bring hope and bring life into our situations today. Help us to believe that. Help us to trust you for that. And God, as you did with Lazarus in the town of Bethany, may you receive glory in us, in Holland Chapel, in this time and place. Amen.